welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. From the latest archery equipment and expert shooting advice to proven bowhunting tactics and the sport's biggest personalities, we've got you covered. Now, here's your host, Editor Christian Bird. Alright, welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting, and as always, we're thrilled that you've taken some time to be with us today for a show that I am uh, really eager to dive into, because we're going to talk about a topic that's going to be of interest to just about everybody who is a bowhunter, and that's hunting fast and light, and having a system, particularly for the tree stand hunter, to get deep, steep, and into those places that you know are great hunting spots, but maybe it's just not easy to access those places with traditional type stands. And so we've got a guest today who absolutely made a huge splash at the 2019 archery trade show. Uh, Going into the show, uh, this person had some products that, quite frankly, I had never seen before, never had heard about, and I don't think most of the people at the trade show had seen or heard about. And when people got a load of what this gentleman had to offer the bow hunting community, it just absolutely blew up. So with that said, hopefully to tease you guys and whet your appetite, I would like to welcome in Andre DeQuisto, who's the owner and founder of Lone Wolf and Lone Wolf Custom Stands. Andre, thank you so much for being with me today on Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. Hey, glad to be here. You know, Andre, um, you go back a long way in the hunting world. I mean, first and foremost, you know, I should say that you're you live in Iowa. You're a hardcore whitetail hunter, been a, a, an avid bow hunter, you know, most of your life. And so um, when you created Lone Wolf in 1984 and obviously eventually developed the, uh, the platforms and designs that Lone Wolf has become so legendary for, that all grew out of a passion that you had for big whitetails. And I know that you've got at least 15 over 170 just in your own belt, including two 200s. So, you know, we're talking to a guy who's the real deal here. Talk to me a little bit about your background in deer hunting. Well, it, it basically started out uh, after I got out of high school as a big trapper, and I got into uh, um, hunting small game and things of that nature with a bull. And then for some reason, I just decided to take a stab at uh, whitetail hunting. Some older guys were doing that. And, uh, you know, with the recurve, I went out, spent a weekend hunting with the bull, and uh, I dropped in traps, never looked back, and uh, just got bit by the bug. It was such a phenomenal experience. Uh, back then, we were hunting on the ground recurves and um you know those close encounters with with an animal of that magnitude was just, just like i said just bit the bug and never looked back after that it's been uh whitetail hunting ever since so how old were you when you killed your first uh whitetail with the bow oh i was actually 20 so a lot of people think i started out real early but um actually was a late late bloomer and, and um actually uh um you know shot Shot a couple of deer with the recurve, and then um, slowly got into. Actually, I got experience a little bit with the gun hunting, and got out of that real quick. Um, but once I once I got moving with the bow, it just um, like I said, just just never looked back. Just still to say, it's the, you know it's the best thrill there is whitetail hunting. So, so so you mentioned that you're actually starting out hunting on the ground. And so here I'm talking to a guy that's kind of uh, a living legend in the world of, of tree stands and lightweight mobile tree stands particularly, and yet you started out hunting on the ground. So how long was it that you said to yourself, hey man, this is all right hunting on the ground, but I, I, I really got to you know get up yeah, in some trees here. <laughs> that, didn't, that didn't work too long, too, for too long of a period. So then I started basically climbing up in the trees and actually hunting out of like, uh, you know, joining uh, timber, uh, standing on uh, a limb type of hunting, just got up off the ground and, and noticed my success going up uh, with experiences and getting close to deer. Um, and then uh, what happened is uh, some older guys who were using, you remember Baker was probably the original um, design of a tree stand back then. Some older guys had. Sure. You mean, you mean for, for a climbing stand or? 
Yeah, I started out with a climber. I, I didn't develop a hang-on stand for quite some time because I was uh, cut my teeth open up in Wisconsin, which is all logged out timber. You could literally go anywhere you wanted with a uh, a climbing stand and, and find something you could get in an ambush. So the original one was basically a two-piece uh, climber, similar to like the Baker style. But when I stood in a friend of mine's stand. I mean, a thing just felt like it was going to bust loose at any minute. And I was, uh, you know, a little leery of heights myself. And I thought, well, I'm not getting up in this. So I basically um, made my own stand sturdier, um, a little better design where I, I felt comfortable hunting out of it. And also, and it was an actually welded framework with a wood platform all in an open position. Started out like that, started dragging that through the woods. Uh, and after, a, you know, uh, short do, season do, of that. Do you have any idea what that thing weighed? They were first one? Um, I'm going to say we just pulled that out to the rafters and looked at it actually. And um, I'm going to say it was probably in that 18 to 20 pound range. Um, gotcha. And you would, and you would, uh, you would pack that uh, all over the place, huh? Yeah. And, and like the backpack straps are like a uh, half inch webbing, <laughs> no padding. And, uh, uh, and it went well in the open position, so the leverage wasn't good, and it just didn't pack well. So, like I said, every season that I would hunt, and I would modify, and I, I turned it into a folding down one. I turned it into a seat, uh, made it fold together better. And then what I found is the portability was great um, to be able to get in and get them uh, long hikes back in. But then became the big factor with getting close to deer was the noise factor. Um, the stands were just noisy and I just couldn't get close to some of these bigger animals. Um, you know, you just shift your weight, you get a creak or squeak and I siliconed and I welded joints and I did everything I could to, to make that stand quieter. Um, and hence came that cast aluminum then down the road. So, so did you have a, do you have a background in, in welding and fabrication or did you just kind of self-teach yourself all this stuff? Yeah, basically self self-taught. I did uh, work for an automobile manufacturer years ago and I worked in troubleshooting and uh, on the line and things of that nature. So it's kind of a jack of all, you know, trades, uh, master of none, basically. Uh, but I had a knack for making things easier, lighter, um, mechanically, looking at things from a kind of a different, different aspect. So um, that's where I got a lot of my mechanical background experience from. And actually, that's, there was some parts in the auto that were actually made of cast aluminum, and that's where I got the, the brainstorm to make a platform out of that. So you founded Lone Wolf, the original Lone Wolf, and and uh, I will throw in here as a quick aside for all of our listeners. So so Andre was the founder of the original Lone Wolf tree stands in 1984. The, the products that we're going to be talking about today are being brought to the market under a new company called Lone Wolf Custom Gear uh, because the original Lone Wolf, which is still making those tree stands that are, you know, Andre's original designs, that company is run by a different group that he's licensed the name out to. So there is a distinction there. I don't want to get bogged down in that, but I just wanted folks to understand as we're having this conversation, Andre. So anyway, 1984, you create the original Lone Wolf. And did you have that um, aluminum platform that it's so well known for that's so iconic now right away or did you start with some products that came before that no it was wood a wood, wood stand uh and you know that they were making that uh platforms out of wood cdx half inch plywood so obviously i had three quarter inch marine grade i was making like the best uh wood and aluminum type stand at the time out of anybody there was a bunch of different companies out at the time buckbuster um Baker, a few other ones that all had basically wood and, and aluminum. And all of a sudden the industry, so here I'm sitting with the, probably the best quality type wood combo aluminum design and the whole industry turned over to, I don't know if you remember when they went to expanded metals and hollow tubes and um, everything went to like solid metal. And I was sitting there with, uh, you know, looking at, you know, looking at the industry going that route and I'm sitting there with an aluminum or a wood stand, which was really heavy because the longer platforms were even up around 22 pounds. So, and that's where I, I was sitting there for a year and then uh, came up with the idea to do casting instead of, uh, again, experimenting with expanded metals, hollow tubes. I couldn't get the noise out of any of those. Um, 
did all kinds of things, welded, you know, welded it all and did things of that nature. So when I came up with that cast aluminum and made a prototype, boy, I got on that thing and um, I couldn't get it to make a, a peep. And uh, from then on, it was, um, it was all about silence, all your equipment, you know. Um, my kind of style is a little different than others. A lot of guys rattle, they call, um, they'll do things of that nature. I'm kind of, uh, I'll go in, I'll bust in, I'll scout out an area, but I call it a virgin sit. I'll find a spot and I'll lay low and I want to be complete and under ambush, you know. Um, I don't want any big deer knowing I'm even in there hunting and uh, where I'm set up. So um, quietness for all your equipment, uh, whether it's clothing, um, your stands, your bowl, everything is, is paramount. So. Yeah, well, absolutely. And that's kind of the, you know, whole name of the company, right? I mean, Lone Wolf, it's this idea that you are that ultimate predator and you're all by yourself and you're going in and you're making that sneak attack and the deer never have any idea that you're there. And so, like you said, silence, (laughs) silence is key, uh, but also the ability to get the gear that you need uh, in there, right? Right. As light as possible, uh, as easily packable as possible. And so, you know, that, that, back in the day, you know, there was a lot of gun hunting going on. And my wife actually came up with the name. I was kind of a loner. Um, and, you know, bow hunter is kind of a, you do it yourself. You're kind of a lone wolf out there. Gun hunters are hunting with the pack. And even like the tagline, your silent partner, uh, you don't tell anybody where you're at or where you're finding big deer. Cause you, you know, <laughs> then you have everybody in there hunting it and, uh, you know, kind of loose lips, sink ship type of scenario. So all of those taglines came from kind of that hunting style that I had, um, being more of a loner, heading up for a, you know, week hunting yourself in upper Wisconsin. And, um, um, again, she, she keyed on that. It's been a, it's been a great, great name brand since. Yeah. Listening to you say that made me think of a, a good buddy of mine here at home in Pennsylvania. And, and, uh, his standard thing is, you know, he's like, every time, every time we get a good buck, you know, if I, if somebody asked me where I got my buck, he's like, I always say, got it on the game lands, got it on the game lands, yeah. <laughs> which is our state, you know, our state ground here in Pennsylvania. So just yeah, well, always, always tell him you got it on the game lands, Andre. <laughs> yeah. Well, we used to say the, you know, the opposite side of town. And then you said the opposite side of pretty soon we ran out of sides of town that's all we were getting the big deer on so um you just keep you know just just moving on you know and heading out finding new spots and that's my passion too i i get i get bored with the spot i'll be able to figure out an area pin it down and and it's it's figured out the next big buck that comes in that area i've already got to figure it out and that's not what i'm kind of all about so i like to kind of scout look at new area and um i think i like to scout more than i do hunting so uh, that's probably my biggest downfall is I'm not a guy that can sit um, patient in long hours in a stand. I'll get down too early and go look around and find my next spot. And um, sometimes uh, you, you got to put some hours in and, and put some time in. So, um, yeah, talk to me about uh, that's interesting, you know, because of course, um, you know, a lot of people, I would say, you know, myself included to a certain extent, we, uh, you know, I I like the fact that over a period of years, you you get very intimately familiar with a particular farm, maybe where you hunt, and so you know those patterns of the animals that tend to hold true from year to year. Uh, not that there might not be some changes here and there, but but you definitely there's some truths that seem to be consistent. Um, talk to me a little bit more about that that uh, sort of attitude that you have about it. Where I think what you're saying is a lot of your enjoyment of the bow hunting isn't just, uh, you know, the, the quality of the animals that you kill, but it's your ability to continually put a new puzzle together. Yeah, that's, that's what I've really had a knack for. I mean, I could, I could just walk a whole field edge, read the sign and I just get on the biggest deer coming out in the, in the first crack, have it uh, come out, come through, pass it up and then move on to the next deal. And there, there's spots that, um, you know, you wouldn't believe some of the animals you see in the sit, and your buddy's like, are you out of your mind? You're not going back to that spot. You know, can I go sit it? And I was like, <laughs> I see him what's there and I'm moving on, you know? So, um, I like to bounce around a lot. Uh, I think my son's picked up the same, uh, same type of day going after these deer where, uh, he likes to strap a stand on and go, we have, you know, leases and properties that have literally, I think there's 115 stands on this one particular property we have. 
And it's weird that they're all good spots, phenomenal spots, when the action's there. But it seems like the biggest deer that we shoot every year, we'll get down, we'll grab our portables on, and we'll, we gotta go in and get them, you know? It's like they, they learn to dance around those spots, even though a lot of other bucks are traveling through and your general deer are traveling through. It's like them, uh, um, big deer are not really patternable that way. So you gotta kind of take the gloves off and go and get them, you know? Yeah, for sure. So let's do this. Let's let's move towards really diving into this new stand and stick uh, product that you um, developed and introduced here at ATA and sort of as a lead into that. Talk to me about the setup that you like to have for doing exactly what you described. You know, whether whether you're maybe just moving a short distance from established stands that you have or you're going into a completely new area and you're like, hey, I'm going to put some stuff on my back tomorrow morning. I'm going to walk into this spot that I looked at, you know, on Google Earth or whatever, and I'm just going to walk around until I find a spot that kind of, you know, hits me and, and I'm going up the tree, you know. And so what do you use? How much does it all weigh? How have you reduced weight over the years? And, and how obsessed are you with not only the details of how it all works, but, you know, cutting weight and what you do to, to cut weight and eliminate things that you don't really need and you've refined over the years to where you've got it down to, you know, kind of like exactly what your system is? Well, years ago, I mean, I started out um, when we got into the cast aluminum and that small hang-on. Um, I modified my stuff from day one. I think I kicked out of the, the industry now and these guys with um, they're fine-tuning and modifying. I, and I was doing that back in the uh, the late 80s with my own products. Had uh, um, material taken off parts, uh, cut down shorter, smaller, stuff more geared for me, not the general public, but I would run around with a stand in a couple of screwing steps uh, just to get to some branches and get up in there and, and as light and as lean and as mean as you could go. Um, and that's where that's, the actual climate sticks uh, were developed a bit after that with the screw-ins and trying to get up in your, in your areas without limbs, then it would take, take more screw-ins and it took more time. But uh, when I first started, I literally just shimmy up a tree and then drag a stand up and get in there. And then it got to screw-in steps. Then it evolved into these lightweight climbing sticks, which I think are the, um, the most efficient um, way to get up a tree for, you know, as far as for um, effort to get them in, time to set them up and uh, weight ratio type of thing. You can't get much much finer than these uh these new lightweight sticks so um i like to do a hang on with the, and i'm not a big guy for getting really high the only time i get high is if i need to for wind morning post and that but i'll take a uh two three sticks tops and a, and a hang on and i'll go in and years ago i would go and i would scout and i'd scout and sometimes i would scout till dark and not find a spot that just didn't didn't light me up and I would never even set up. I just head back with the stand on my back and I would do that. Uh, um, you know, a buddy of mine, I come out and say, uh, you know, he's hunting a whole other section. And, uh, well, where'd you end up sitting? I said, he thought I was lying. I said, I never even sat tonight. There was, and I didn't even find anything that was worth sitting, you know? So, um, that type of mobile mobility in that bigger upper Wisconsin woods, that's kind of where it cut the tooth. And even now on private land, it's the same scenario. It just seems like um, your first time in is your best crack at a deer. It's your best spot. So I got accustomed to going in, sitting in a good spot, seeing a lot of deer. And then I would want to stay there and see, you know, thinking, well, this is great. There's a lot of big deer. And all of a sudden it would just pan off and it would get worse and worse and worse. And then pretty soon I noticed I got smart enough to think, you know what? It ain't going to get any better than this first time. So I'll go in, I'll scout, I'll hunt. I'll get tear it down. I'll go in, scout, and hunt, and I just keep bouncing around, bouncing around, and um, um, boy, you really stay ahead of the game. You keep them guessing; they never know where you're at. Um, and it's uh, it's kind of like I said, a virgin set, surprise attack. And um, uh, my son has had all the same success with him. He's just he'll slap on them stands and run in and, and run in and got you on the where he's at, where he's going to be, or when he's going to be setting up. So um, now, now that you get the, you get the ambush. 
Now, how does that work with, uh, you know, it seems like nowadays nobody wants to go anywhere until they've run a bunch of trail cameras and they know exactly, you know, what deer are in that area and they've got an idea of what buck they're going after before they ever even get out of the truck. Um, are you talking about doing a similar thing? Do you know what deer are here? Or are you talking about that a lot of the hunting you do, you're just going in and looking at sign and, and, and well, hanging and hunting blind, years basically? Ago, yeah, years ago, you didn't, you didn't have that advantage. You know, I was two weeks before the season was even started. On Sunday morning, everybody's in church, and I'm out in a swamp. It's socking wet, humid Wisconsin weather, laughing for two to get a, you know, a lead on something for an opening day ambush. Uh, this is a whole different world now with the cameras and you know what's out there and you kind of, you didn't know before you had to go out there and you had to find out what's out there and the only way to do it was to, to physically see them. So even now we will have cameras out on particular farms and we'll take inventory. We'll know basically the animals that are out there and then you, you pick one to go after, but the camera's not a big part of, um, the hunting process. Now you got to go and you got to tie in it. I, I call it capturing a moment in time. That's all you got to do is capture one. And if you just stopped and thought about it for a minute, think about a big deer going from his bed or traveling through a property. Think about the thousands of trees and setups that that deer traveled by that you could be ambushing on it. And I'm wondering why a lot of guys can't pick one of those out of the whole deal. So, um, to me, you know, to me, reading that sign and being on a red hot sign is the only only way to do it. Um, I find a lot of these big deer; they don't travel down trails like like cows and that. They they move through their environment with a fifty foot swatch. You know, they'll they'll meander around and move through, going from point A to point B, but not really any set pattern. And if you could find a set pattern, great. But um, so for me, it's really important to see what's going on. Um, You'll be sitting on a 40-acre piece of property on one corner of it, and a doe goes in the heat on the other side of it, and every buck on your entire property is going to be stuck in another corner of the property for four days. And you're you're jagging around on a stand that's uh, not far away, but it might as well be a million miles out of the, out of the game. So um, people think, you know, Say that you scout too much and you move too much, and I, I, I don't, I don't believe you can if you know how to read the sign, and, and um, I don't think you can scout um, enough. So that's kind of how I cut my <laughs> teeth on this, and I still, still to this day, um, like to hunt that way. You mentioned uh, earlier. You said you only carry two or three climbing sticks with you when you go in with a hang on how high can you get on two or three sticks you said you don't like to hunt particularly high yeah you don't i mean in conjunction with with a and it depends upon the time of year uh but in conjunction with limbs like now a lot of these properties have a lot of limbs you can get up uh plenty high 15 but um when i tell you that we're hunting sometimes six seven feet off the ground i'm talking you can touch the base of your um your platform from the ground, um, especially late season, evening post, and you want to take your scent and you want to move it. Uh, you know, the higher you go, the more you get spotted um, without cover and the more your scent carries further. So uh, we've kind of um, mastered that work of thermals and, and kind of staying more low with sets. Now, don't get me wrong. I got, I got some stands down in the bottom that are 35 feet high and that's there because of uh, morning post to bring thermals and bring the scents out of there. It's the only way you can get away with it down in there. Um, but I do not care to hunt out of those type of setups. Uh, but some of them, you're, you know, you're stuck. You're stuck with what's given to you in a certain position. So um, that's why it's really tough to get down in the bottoms and get stuff done. You know, you got to kind of stay up on your rims and uh, let them deer come up out of there. Yeah, I, I know we want to get to these new products, and I promise, folks, we're, we're getting there. But he keeps saying things that intrigue me, and so I'm, I'm following the rabbit trail here. Uh, talk to me about hunting six or seven feet off the ground, because you don't hear that uh, a lot from uh, hardcore deer hunters. When are you going six or seven feet off the ground, and, and what are you seeing as the advantages of that? Because you're obviously doing it for a reason. Yeah, I'll give you one one aspect late season here. Um, when you get up high in them trees, every deer that comes out, they're all on needles and pins. The season's, you know, been long. Everything's got their guard up, and you kind of stand out like a sore thumb. And when you get down 
and stay in that brush line and down low, uh, and you cover up property properly, uh, these deer will just look right on through you. They just do not either associate danger coming from there or um, do not have the uh, ability to spot it with all that foliage behind you, you know. Uh, same with a big swamp. You get up too high in them swamps, it's like a coliseum. Every deer in that entire swamp can see uh, see you go up that tree. That's the last thing you want to do. You want to stay low and not be seen and, and be on. Uh, unnoticed so um and it's comfortable sitting boy i'll tell you try it sometime it's uh <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot nicer just to get up and uh i have some buddies of mine too now that uh i'm not gonna name names but i, I got a guy that now that he doesn't even bring any sticks and he sets his stand as high as he can off the ground and he's killing nice bucks every freaking year now consistently that um um so it's a, it takes a little bit to get used to and um um, you know, we can get into further details on, on some of the things you can do to make that work, but. Oh, and maybe instead of having the mile, mile high club, you want to start the 10 and below club and it's the biggest box killed, uh, under 10 feet. <laughs> there, there, there you go. <laughs> um, okay. So let's jump into these new products. Okay. It's okay. really, it's really, uh, when it comes to the stand, it's really two, two products that are designed to work together. So you've developed a, a brand new hang on, which you're calling the, the Diaquisto series hang on, and then you've got some sticks, and I'm not sure exactly what you're calling those, but it's really, really awesome the way that he has designed this stand. Not only the way that it folds uh, for packability, but the way that it's also uh, providing a platform to help support your pack or a load of meat that you might be coming out with. And then the grommets that you've built into the stand with rubber inserts that are designed to accept these new stackable climbing sticks. So if you think about, I'm going to kind of set the stage for this and then I'm going to let you tell us all about it, Andre. If you think about the way that a, a, a hang-on stand folds down, okay, guys uh, who are listening, right? You fold it down, the post basically that support that has the seat on it, right? When you fold the, fold it flat, the post is in the center of the platform and, and the sticks can stack on the left and right of that post and he's built grommets into the stand so that you can put three sticks on the left, three sticks on the right, and the whole thing packs so tight, so light, so quiet, it's like nothing you've ever seen before. So with that kind of as a 50,000 foot view, you know, walk us through the nitty gritty of how this all came to be. And and so, and what are you calling the sticks, by the way? The Crystal Series. Um, okay. We've got two different sizes. Yeah, we got some uh, uh, minis and then the, the, the full length ones for the three steppers. So, um, so, what, so how, what so how long, so, to, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, how long has this been brewing in your head? Well, it, it, actually I retired for 10 years out here and I want to watch my son kind of and, and see he's kind of like I was years ago and he was the motivation for this. And then this whole new movement of these guys on uh, the public land hunters and all that, they're doing exactly what I was doing you know, 30 years ago. And the motivation for us, I'm a real meticulous type, um, coordinated uh, with how I package stuff together and I, I modified mine. And I yeah, made a package that was good tell. for me. We couldn't tell, man. <laughs> well, I made a package that was good for me, but not, you know, everybody else was left to figure that out on their own. And my son was kind of like I was. He had, you look at his equipment, man, he's got his stuff all decked out, everything in the right spot, nothing making noise. So we kind of looked at that and we got our heads together and, and uh, we said, you know, now it's time to to get back to old school and make a system. Uh, and, you know, your pack never really works great in there. And, you know, we just thinking back of all the little issues we still even have with ours. Uh, and, you, and you start thinking of it as a different, you know, it's the next, the next version or next wave. So, um we put our heads together. Um, we wanted to go lighter. We wanted to go more compact. And then again, with my um, my mechanical background and things of that nature, it just as you spend time in that and keep working with it, you you come up with these ideas. And they um, it's like the climbing sticks. Period. Generally, every time I use those climbing sticks to this day, 
I'll be setting up a stand, and I think they're the niftiest damn thing that, that I've ever seen. You know, and even though I d- developed them and made them, it's that kind of product. So we take that attitude to this new system, and now uh, there's nothing worse than walking around and that seat just banging constantly. Well, I had felt all on mine. I had foam behind there. It didn't happen, but everybody else that bought a stand wasn't doing that. So let's take a lot of that stuff out of it for them. Let's let them be able to buy the stand already done, all that fine-tuning and modifying. Let's take it another step version further and, and make a system that'll work for everyone. So um, these guys, guys want to get into the woods now. They want to walk up to a tree. They want to take their pack off their back and start you know, setting up their sticks and heading up one time, not going up, down, back and forth and um, making separate trips. And so um, this is all motivation for it. And again, I'm still to this day a mobile hunter. And if you think about carrying that extra four pounds, our stand's like four pounds lighter than the traditional size. Think about carrying that less weight for just a weekend trip. It's a great thing. Think about it now for an entire week. Uh, think about carrying that less, you know, in a whole package, we're probably carrying six pounds less out, out in the woods every time. Think about over a lifetime. I mean, it, it allows you the energy to be able to take it a little a little further, get in a little deeper, um, uh, hunt a little harder, you know, instead of fighting your equipment. So the new stand is seven and a half pounds, and it's it's um you know it's aluminum it's it's got a design that looks you know the the pattern is similar to what folks would recognize uh from lone wolf um you've got a cool coating on this thing too right you've got like a soft touch coating that really you know it feels really cool probably provides a little extra grippiness but it also is quiet yeah that's the big thing um those little little things of detail. I know everybody's silencing all the materials or, you know, they're covering their tubes with the, the camo tape and things. And uh, this is kind of taking a, and you'll still take this stand and you'll still make it your own. That's what this customizing is all about. Um, everybody has their own little system that works for, well for them. So they'll modify and make uh, make it. So this just takes it and lets, lets a lot of that stuff get done already. Um, it's just taking it and making a better better product where before price wise you couldn't you know when we came on the scene i had a stand that was literally three times the cost of all our competitors go to a show and try and sell somebody that doesn't realize the value of that stand um it was a tough sale but that's all i knew how to do is get a guy in that stand once and as soon as he hung out of it you could never go back to hollow tool or expanded metal so that's all behind us behind us now everybody knows the value of a quiet lightweight stand this is taking that to the next to the next level so um it's you know it's as compact as as quiet as lightweight as you can get um you couldn't make those sticks anymore compact than they are this is this is it this is as far as you can take it so what's um, the size what's the size of the foot platform on this new stand this is a uh uh, 19 and a quarter by 27 and a half so it's the same size as your uh your lone wolf um, assaults and your, your XOP, um, smaller version of stand. Um, but it, it hunts a little bigger cause it doesn't have the lips on the edges of it and the way I have the cables on it. So it's really for a lightweight portable stand, um, is actually a roomy huntable stand. It's not, you know, I can give you a five and a half pound stand, uh, but you're not going to want a hunt of it. There were stands at the show that are lighter and smaller, but I mean, you, you can't get there by, giving away your platform who wants to hunt on a 12 by 12 um tree stand you know it's just it's just too small for that that type of hunting we do have a um uh, a new one now that that cooner model stand that's going to be your lightweight where you just stand there's no seat and it's going to be the the very uh bare bones minimum to take into uh to hunt so we'll have that version this one's uh just a couple pounds heavier but it has a seat and it hunts like a traditional type stand so um, we want to have them with the equipment for everybody, for every every aspect of their hunting. And eventually, we'll probably get into a lightweight climber down the road. But for right now, we're going to go uh, probably to another version, maybe a little bit larger um, platform for a bigger hunter. Um, um, but this one here is probably cover you know eighty percent of the guys out there that are running and gunning right now. 
And let's talk about the way the seat sits when it's folded for packing, too. Basically, this seat flips out from the platform at a 90-degree angle, and that basically becomes then a shelf that you can, oh, set, right, your, yep. you can set your backpack on that shelf and clip the top of the pack to the post. There's a special hanger yep, built on the post, too. Slide right on, yep. Yeah, and uh, and then obviously, then those grommets that you have for the sticks would go on either side. So yeah, just talk talk to me about that shelf design and, and the packability and, and how you guys kind of refine that. Yeah, that is. I mean, that is really. It's going to be one of those other things as you're using it. Boy, it's just a nifty deal. Where before you were trying to put your stand attached on your backpack, and it was just a just a cumbersome. You know, you work with it one way, and then it doesn't work out that great, and you keep modifying it. So when I was uh, field testing this uh, toward the last uh, month of the season here, man, was that was that nice. That pack just just thrown on there. I had a small bungee on it that clipped on the bottom and it's just it's there. It don't it's not falling down. It's supported with all um, uh, aluminum framing. You know, before you had that seat flipping around make a noise on you. Now it's it's quiet. It's all pulled together tight and it's all working with you now. So it's uh, that's gonna be a really Really big feature that our guys are gonna our guys gonna love in that one, and then the sticks being able to just lock together and not make all that rattling and racking around and then and then stand not shifting around your platform gonna be huge. Um, even my modified stuff, as you're climbing up and down hills and mountains and whatever you're out there doing, you're bumping and stuff, and they they kind of shift a little bit and start getting a little loose. And and nothing worse than being out there hunting and having to stop readjust your equipment. Um, you know, take it off your back and mess around with it, you know, when you're hunting. So now all of that stuff is taken care of for you. It should be a, uh, um, nothing should know you're out there <laughs> chasing it down now. Right. What's the, uh, what's the attachment system for the stand itself onto the tree? It looks like I'm looking at some pictures, by the way, folks, if you're listening, you're going to want to, you know, next time you're able to get to your computer or whatever, you're definitely, you're going to want to get on lonewolfcustomgear.com. You can see these products. You can see photographs. looks like you've got like a cam, a cam buckle strap to, to attach yeah, this to the, the same, tree. Same system, same versus system. If you look at, now I developed that versa button and belt system back years and years ago everybody in the market's using it now it is the best fastening system you can change up right or left putting on a tree um this one you'll also be able to use a, a rope mod kit if you want to use a rope on it um, but what we did with it now is we went from the plastic bigger versa button where i started out then we went to a metal type versa button um more of a full size and now we got what's called like a micro uh button which is so nice because it just goes on and off just super easy. You're not struggling up in a tree with it. Um, it's those things that, you know, after, you know, decades and decades of using it, you, you a little bit, the thing bothers you and you, know, you make the modifications. Now uh, the sticks and stands have that. So it's just a really simple way to get the belt on and off with no hassle. Um, <laughs> What else? These are, these are, go ahead. I was going to say, so what else, uh, before we move on to the sticks, is there anything else about the stand itself that I haven't touched on that we ought to know about? Well, we got the pockets then for the, so when your sticks are stacked together with the grommets, there's holes molded right in the platform that your grommets will actually pop in. And so your sticks um, sit on there. The traction on the stand is actually in the erratic rungs and the thinness of them and the pockets that they have. Um, you'll notice the asymmetrical design again. That's something that's just, um, uh, it just disappears in the woods. Anything that's got that mechanical design, your eyes fixed to, um, we're going to have uh, a nice backpack set. There's going to be uh, what we call re reverse tooth technology on the back where before you had a strap, a stand on kind of pump it and set it in to get it to settle. Uh, this design will allow you just to strap that stand on and climb in and I think it'll be solid as a rock when you get in. So it's a, um, a little nicer setup in there. Um, and then it's got, um, uh, obviously the soft touch. So when you're handling, you know, you're banging your bow into it as you're walking through the woods or sticks and, and, and limbs hit it, anything that's, uh, it's gonna, it's gonna suck up that noise. You're not gonna have a, a tinny aluminum sound to it too. So, um, I didn't think there'd be not much more we could do to that platform to make it, um, as good as it is. So, 
And, and then you've got the sticks that go along with it. And I see here, like you had mentioned before, you've got uh, the full stick and the mini stick. So people are going to be able to choose uh, between the full sticks, which weigh two pounds, and they're 32 inches long. And I'm not sure exactly yeah. how many steps are on those. Uh, and yeah, then those the, are, uh, go ahead. Correct you on that. So those are two and a half pounds. Oh, sorry. Uh, about 29 inches long, so they're a little shorter than... Uh, the traditional for more compact. And what's unique about those is there's also a series of holes in those. So let's say you just want to do three sticks and one of those minis or two large and two small. They all interlock like a Lego system together. So you don't have to carry just uh, anything you want to change up, anything you want to customize is all right there for you. Uh, you know, the steps are further out from the tree. tree. They're a little longer. They're at the optimal distance now for um, for functionality, and they're, they're they're solid as a rock, and and you can see they just disappear in the woods. So, um. so the so the full size sticks are twenty nine inches and two and a half pounds. What are the mini sticks? Those are a, a little under a pound and a half, and those are uh, seventeen inch is the step spread on those. So, um, it's about an eighteen inch long stick, which is nice because those fit inside basically your stand platform. So if you wanted to get as, you know, as lean and mean as you can, maybe you're doing an elk hunt on a wall or whatever, and you just didn't want to have a lot of uh, real bulky stuff, you could, um, you could take the minis and, and work those steps. So it's personal preference for what you like um, to utilize. Absolutely. So, so you, um, you know, you talk to me a little bit about, you know, the response that you got at, at ATA and, and did you know going into the show that it was going to generate as much buzz as it did? No, I did not. And it actually, um, we were there with a small booth. Uh, this is a, a company I'm setting up with my son and my daughter, um, to kind of take over and run. And we got, we have some other groundbreaking products that are just as good as this that were at that booth and this thing just sucked the oxygen right out of the room because we're noted for tree stands and the word was kind of like I was back getting into it. It just, it just took over the whole deal and, and the other products really didn't get the, um, the look that they did. Uh, but we, no, we didn't have, I had no, no idea that we'd get the response that we, um, we did with these, uh, with these products. And these guys are just fired up and, and they're like, man, now, now that there's no season. We're going to be out running around just, climbing up trees just for the hell of it to be <laughs> practicing with it and getting our system ready to go before the next season, you know? Well, and the other crazy thing is this stuff really is brand new. And, you know, I see on your website, it says coming spring of 2019. I mean, what you had at the show was really, um, you know, I don't know if I, if prototypes the right word, but it's not like this is full production scale and, and you've got to get ramped up in a hurry now because you've created a monster of demand yeah. that you've got to feed, right? We're, we're actually, yeah, we, we kind of misjudged that. We didn't know, you know, we thought guys would want to wait and stuff, but I think a lot of guys are like, I, I was years ago, you don't want to wait till the season before you get, you want to get this equipment now, get it customized the way you, you like it in your system and get your, get your whole system and your program together early so you're ready ready to go out of the gate. So um, those were pretty close to production. We actually have production um, set up. We're waiting for some soft goods now, the seat cushion and the backpack straps. So we are actually looking at opening up orders uh, within the next probably three weeks. And my son's actually going to uh, release a, uh, the first 500 stands are going to be a, um, a limited edition. They're actually going to be a numbered version stand. So, um, there'll be, uh, that first five coming out of there is going to be, um, you know, kind of a, I'll probably take one, put it on the kind of man cave here and other guys will probably get them too and just, um, just hang on to them. But, um, so we're, we're getting real close. Uh, we're within a month of release of our cameras, a month within the release of, um, uh, these stands and we're ramping up now and starting to build, build products. So, um, yeah, yeah I'm excited about it. I, I don't know how we're gonna be able to build enough this year, but we're gonna we're gonna try. <laughs> well, let's let's 
talk, you know, before we wrap it up, let's talk briefly about the camera as well, because, um, you know, I, I noticed that you had a camera at your booth at the show. I, I got to be honest, I guess I I fell into the same trap as as everybody else. And I kind of got fixated on that stand. And and I was like pretty much every other hunter at the show. You know, I was kind of drooling over that and thinking, yeah. you know, uh, how bad I needed one of those. And, and I saw the camera, but I didn't really take uh, much time to dive into it. And the trail camera market is... Um, I mean, let's face it, man. It's a uh, it's a pretty saturated market, right? There's a million of them out there now. Uh, right. Why why would you want to jump into uh, the trail camera fray? And and so, what is it about this camera that you've got, which you're calling the undercover trail camera? What makes this thing so so much better yeah. than the rest? I'm going to try and get into all the features, but I know I'm not going to be able to even name all the stuff that's fixed on these cameras. But so, if you'll be able to get on that website and kind of look at the um, the right up on the camera in there. But what I noticed is I seen an opening back in the early days with tree stands. Everybody was building not very good stands. Matter of fact, I'd say there was a lot of junk on the market. So I seen an opening for quality. The camera market is no different right now. Everybody is in a race to the bottom. They're trying to make stuff cheaper, chintzier. And I'm going to tell you right now, I was so frustrated in the last uh, six to eight years of uh, um, field testing cameras and working on them, just the, the failure rates and all the stuff that's just simple things that could be fixed that nobody. And I said, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm, I'm going to invest a bunch of money. Um, I seen where this country was going as far as uh, uh, with the economy taking off and things. And I said, I'm going to come off the sidelines and um, um, design something. So I had a whole list and, and, and the people, the engineers that I went to, they were thinking the same thing. Well, if there's anybody other than you have that name brand to get in the camera industry that said you got to be nuts. And I said, this has nothing to do with the name brand. I would never bring another piece of garbage to the market and put my name brand on it. What I'm bringing is new innovation that's better than what's out there. And when you see this camera, you can take it anywhere, put it on anything, any strap, a clump of bushes, a rock. Uh, there won't be a spot you cannot fasten and set this thing. It's got technology for zoom so you can stay back and monitor spots without going and polluting them. It's got the new aim, uh, aim point technology where it's got a dot where when you aim this camera, you don't have to walk in front of it and wave your hands around and make sure that it's all lined up right from your app on your phone. It's got a dot just like a sight on a shotgun. You put that thing, wherever that's at, that spot is dead center of the, uh, um, the, uh, the cone for indicating the, the movement. So there's no second guessing. Um, we're field testing it now. The photos in the day are literally crisper than my 35 millimeter camera. It's unbelievable that uh, um, what we're getting out of this camera. So, and then you got mapping, you got big buck profiles, you got prime time technology. This is all on your app where you can literally go to your camera now and it shows you exactly what the highest, uh, um, number of pictures and, 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 and motion was, was indicated at. So it's, it's got that old school stuff too. It all started out as a trail timer and then got into the pictures and all that stuff too. So, um, we got rid of the noise problems, condensation, uh, battery pack problems. There's just, there's, there's, there's such a list. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm like looking. I said, when I brought it to these, I I say, to these engineers, they said, well, how the hell do you even, <laughs> we had no idea. I said, well, how the hell haven't you? You're, you've been all using cameras all these years. You must be experiencing all the same problems I have. So I got fed up and decided to fix it. So hopefully we got it all taken care of for everybody. Well, I hope so, because honestly, I mean, I see this on your website. There's a lot of information here. You got this thing listed at $349, which really, I mean, in the trail cam market, that's that's not cheap, but it's not it's not outrageous by any means. And if it's really that much better, I mean, this is going to be a great value. I will take one good camera over 10 pieces of garbage any day of the week because I my time is valuable to me. And when I'm out scouting and trying to get intel and information, I can't have a failure. I can't have a two week or a week come back that, that the thing went dead or it didn't arm or these problems I've been having with them. Uh, just totally frustrated with it. So to me, that's a waste of time. 
it's a waste of energy and it's probably costing you dear. So, you know, I look at it a whole a whole different way. The same with a stand. I could I could take a cheap tree stand out, you know, a creepy stand and go out there and probably get the job done. But uh, am I going to do it? Uh, I, I agree with you. No, I agree with you because, you know, I've been there. Most most of our listeners have probably been there. There isn't much more frustrating, really, than, you know, you've got a spot that you're excited about. And so you go out and you yeah. set a camera. And like you say, you come back a week or 10 days or two weeks later and there's freaking no no pictures. And you're like, yeah. are, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like, you know, the rut is here or it's opening yeah. day this weekend and I have no intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> and you got you come back and your trail camera that stick got knocked out by a squirrel and it's aiming at the ground and there's a picture of a huge buck from the throat down you can't even see the rack of it and then <laughs> you just want to I think uh, Cody was he heard one time when I was with a little bit of cussing and I took a camera and I rifled it at the side of one of these bluffs here and the thing exploded about a million pieces and that's when I think I, I, I said that's, this is it I'm done with these so this last season even I did not even put a lot of cameras out because I, I just done with the uh, the headache and hassle of um, um, and it's weird, you know. Them cameras they'll work good for the first couple of weeks right out of the gate, and all of a sudden they start acting up. And I I got a whole bucket of cameras that I can take right now. I can fire them up. They'll work here in the house, and I know when I get them in the field, they're going to start acting up. They're all they're, they're in the garbage. They're not. There's just absolutely yeah. no way yeah. I would go even bother setting up anymore. So. You know what I call that, Andre? Uh, I call that, because I've had it happen with so many cameras over the years, I call it spontaneous combustion. They just, you know, because, no, seriously, because yeah. here's here's the deal, you know, you take a camera like that, it's working fine, and you put it on a tree, and it just stops working. Nothing happened. There was no right. damage. There was no impact. There's no nothing. It just spontaneously combusted. It literally, like, imploded, yeah. and that's it. It's junk, and it's just nothing but a paper weight at that point it really right. is annoying now and, and i figured ahead. out what a lot of what's going on with a lot of those cameras in there and they are they're cheap they're cheap components everybody's in this big thing now for these uh, megapixels they're, they're giving you this phony 20 40 megapixel cameras this camera here is a 12 megapixel it'll take clear better pictures than any 40 megapixel camera out there it's just it's just false um type of advertising and, and the problems in them cameras are easy fixes but instead of going and spend it a little bit more the one way, they try and cut a few more pennies off the other way, and they just keep getting worse and worse and worse. And it's like I'm, I'm just dumb, done with it. So, um, talk, talk, talk to me about the 360 auto lock leveling system. That's one of the coolest things that I'm seeing. You've got some kind of almost like a ball joint leveling yeah. system on the back of this the camera. So, like you say, you it. can you can strap that to anything. Right, so you have a strap-on system. Again, the strap-on system, when you go look at that, you don't have to thread it. It's got snap-on, so it's almost got climbing stick. You can just wrap it around a tree, clip it in, pull it tight. There's no threading, having to mess around. Uh, it takes a second to put it on. Any angle, any direction, a fence pull sideways, 45, any degree, you can strap this thing on, and you can level the camera. Um, you could take a clump of uh, cattails, a big chunk of brush, uh, let's say you have no trees. That's all you have is brush. Take a just big chunk of that brush and wrap that belt around there. Pull it tight. Let the, let the camera hang and then just level the ball and it just sits there perfectly level. You can aim it with your app. Uh, a bunch of corn stalks. Um, it's, I was finding myself running around looking again for trees to put a freaking camera on. I want this spot. I want to observe what's going on here. And there's nothing there. You can do it. Now, it's also got a bracket system on the back. That let's say you get a huge tree um, that you can't get a strap around. You snap that off. It's got two screws and a wrench in there. You can screw this bracket on uh, a barn, on a big tree, um, any flat surface, and just snap your your camera on that. So it's got for that part of it, the mechanical. That's all you know, lone wolf design, and you'll see that that's going to be a huge advantage. And then on top of that, you got all the uh, the great electronics and the apps and the mapping and things of that nature. So it's going to be a uh, guys that are field tested an hour just their jaws are dropping and say, "Holy cow! I had no idea." And when you go to those shows and you see fifty, a hundred different cameras, you're numb. You think it's all the same stuff, you know. So I'm sure people thought the same thing. They come by the booth, oh, just another camera, you know. Let me tell you about the boot that's on there. It's a removable, um, three dimensional. We call it three dimensional. 
camo and it's going to be on a bunch of different products we're coming out with, you can change out the boots for different color. But the booth and the un undercover is that insulates your camera. Uh, out of 12 cameras I field tested last year for six months, four of them are working. Three of them were chewed through the housing, squirrels ruined them, water got in them and wrecked them. This has a boot that protects your entire camera. It keeps the sun from beating on the plastic and, and creating condensation and um, uh, protects the, the camera uh, from noise. It's, uh, it's a dampening system and it's uh, everything is under the top cover. You know, if you opened up cameras before and all the batteries come falling out on the ground or uh, you got to kneel down in the, in the grass or wet stuff to get down underneath to get a, a card, everything is right underneath the one hood. Easy replaceable battery pack. The card's there. Your interface is there. There's even a spare spot for an extra card. Yeah, so I was going to say, that, that, that's one of the coolest things. I mean, think about how many times you've, like, gone to check your camera and you, like, get all the way out there and you realize, yep. I forgot to bring an SD card with me. And just yep. to be able to have something as simple as that where there's a slot there for to keep a spare so that you can, you know, take that card that's got the pictures with you, stick that spare in there, and now you've saved yourself an extra trip back to the truck. I was also looking at this um, uh, app that you've got that goes with it so so your your camera is going to sync with your phone it's automatically setting the time the date and year to your settings yep. i mean you don't have to screw around with all the buttons oh, yeah. to figure out how to set the clock you can get camera uh, that was? Yep. yeah i mean you can get says you can use wi-fi to get uh photos from the camera to your phone uh you can uh do all kinds of stuff i mean this is really really cool stuff and one thing i saw on the website it looks like uh, i guess for at least part of this stuff you guys have partnered with with tacticam on some of this technology well tacticam was a, a leader and innovator with uh, some really high-tech electronics in this industry so um we you know we can't that's not our expertise all the mechanical stuff the leveling the, the dimensional stuff the things that you can tell are definitely lone wolf stuff that's what i bring to the table and then the the idea of you, you talk about that spare car so that only happened to me twice and then I started taping a spare card in my cameras so now I'm developing a camera I'm like well I'm not going to let that happen to anybody else so um, those are the kind of things that I think about when I'm in here and I fix those problems for myself but now we can fix those problems for everybody so again back to Tacticam these guys um, if you look at some of the phenomenal video footage and advancements they've made in cameras over the years who better to partner with for the electronics of it now. Um, so you'll see some of the electronics in here. Um, they help develop those um, and manufacture for us, and it's phenomenal. Same with our, you know, the bow line we got now. Um, we go to the best innovators in the industry, and um, I've done it with all products. I'd start shooting a broadhead, and everybody wonder why, and then about five years later, every manufacturer in the industry is copying this broadhead design. Well, I've seen from the get-go this was a better design than everybody else's. And now finally everybody else realized the same thing. So uh, we're not going to reinvent the wheel in those areas. Um, we're going to partner with other, other people's other products that, that have um, the technology and the knowledge in those areas. And then we'll bring our innovation and um, um, new patents to the market that way. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, man, we're uh, we're almost an hour in. Our time is about up, but oh. it does go fast, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, it does. <laughs> there's uh, I can talk white pill all day and all that. So. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, there's so much cool stuff here. And we really only hit on, you know, we hit on one new stand and some climbing sticks and a camera. Um you know, Andre gave us a lot of little pearls of wisdom on on how to be a more effective uh, whitetail hunter uh, throughout that. And you're definitely going to want to check out LoneWolfCustomGear.com. Uh, see what all they've got coming for 2019. It's it's an exciting lineup. There's more stuff on there that we didn't even get to. But uh, Andre, I think I, I can speak on behalf of myself as a bow hunter and uh, my my fellow bow hunters who are listening to the show that we're glad that you're you're back in business so to speak because you're gonna you're gonna help us to be more successful in in the woods well that's what i'm hoping i'm hoping to bring uh, all the new innovation i've had over the last 10 years i've been jotting all down um and i'm, I'm gonna bring this uh a partner up with some people so we can bring these new innovations to the industry because the industry has 
kind of stalled out a little bit with uh, innovation. It's, it's, it's not going a lot of places. So, um, I just like to tell my wife, I just want to get this stuff out of my head, get it on paper and get it in, get it in the woods where, where it belongs. So, um, look forward to it. It's going to be an exciting, uh, run here in the next, next three to five years. So, well, thanks again, man. I really appreciate your time. I wish you the best of luck with the new company and uh, for you and your son and, and you know, the, the guys that you hunt with. Good luck in the, in the woods in 2019 as well. Yep, thanks a lot, man. Shoot straight. Thank you for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bowhunting on your local newsstand or check us out on the web at bowhuntingmag.com. 